the last last person standing. I like what so some of the podcasts I was new. They're already talking when they when there's when the when they start going. So I actually already hit record and we've been talking. Perfect. Um, so welcome to the seminar room, the last episode of season three. Welcome and in. We have a we have a group. We have a panel of, of experts. We'll call them. So uh, we've got Cody Mann as always. Uh, Hello, Neil Neil Schrader, Andrew Hannigan. Luke Nyberg, Jody Nelson, Hi. Aaron Lorenz, and our IRE co-op, our outsider of the group, John Jonathan Peterson. So very inclusive. Hello. The outsider <laughs> of our group. That was funny in the discussion the other day. Well, John's a co-op. John's an IRE co-op. Sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> All right, so we're just gonna He's go. One of us. And, oh, what's that? He's one of us. He's one of us. Yeah, we we've taken him fully at this point. So one he's an us. insider to the facilitator group. We're all IRE insiders. Yes, he's an outsider to the Bell group, and really not an outsider because he's worked so close. He's actually worked more closely with most of the students this semester than I have. So, are we I'm, the outsiders? We're we're kind of like the outsiders. Isn't that a movie, The Outsiders? It is. Yeah. Is that is that the Pony Boy movie? It is. Who? Very good. My daughter, <laughs> the, my daughter's reading it for seventh grade English, and she loves the book so much. I actually bought her the book, and like normally she's like graphic novel kid, and she's like eating this one up. So I'm like, there's hope for her yet. Stay golden, Pony Boy. That's right. I made that reference in front of Christine last semester. And just like the Lord of the Rings references, none of my classmates got it. I guess they're just not cool enough. It's hard to be as cool as, as some of us. Especially your seventh grade daughter. That's really tough to be cooler than that. Not going to lie. Well, she thinks she's pretty cool. Yeah. She's not cool. She'll listen to this episode. She'll think she's pretty cool. She won't listen to it. <laughs> and make her listen to it in the car. She'll put her headphones in. All right. Well, that's kind of enough shenanigans. So uh, we're going to clean up the mailbag. So there's a lot of good questions that came in over the semester. And we want to make sure we get you answers. So we're going to do our best in this round panel. Or I guess that's a rectangular panel. Um, and uh, answer these questions. So, Cody, do you want to read the first one? Or do you want me to read the first one? Go ahead, Tony. Take All it. right. So an anonymous student, Annie, Annie Animus, um, says, I would like to know what suggestions you all have for handling all the stresses of moving, starting a new job, paying on everything, et cetera, et cetera. And then a big old question mark. It looks like Luke wanted to answer this one. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Tony. Uh, this one's actually, it's super simple. In, in one respect, but takes a lifetime to learn really. So uh, not necessarily uh, good news for the immediate future, but uh, stress at, at gets compounded as things uh, pile up. And it, it's really as simple as, as uh, compartmentalizing each task and focusing on that task until you complete it and moving on to the next one. Difficulty comes in being able to compartmentalize and not 
be worrying about the next thing that you got to do. A lot of it comes in uh, in task differentiation and and figuring out what your specific task is in this given moment that you have to accomplish, focusing on that and and then letting the next uh, stage worry about itself when you get when you get to that point. So now we're at a standstill, Tony, because I had put in the chat that I'll read question number two, but you're like, I'll read all the questions. I just meant, I just meant, let's go with the ones people already claimed. So we have oh, a yeah. quick, quick answer for those. Of course. And I think we can actually skip row four. Okay. Or well, you know what? No, 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 no. Let's no, not skip Aaron, row four. Aaron claimed Aaron this one. We're, we're going to read it. Let's get it. This one. Skip my question? No, no, no. We're not skipping your question. Here we go. Uh. Maybe this we will. Let's do from... it. I might cut it out of the episode. Oh, who is this coming from? Ooh, and and on and on anonymous, and they ask what student activities are for cohort two students. Great question. So I'll make this short. Main point I want to get across is we are constantly looking for your input and suggestions on different activities to do. As of now, some different groups are doing things like Society of Air and Space. They had a couple of game nights playing Among Us and Minecraft that everyone's invited to. We had a Bell Trivia Night. We're looking to have one again in June, probably. Um, we have different gatherings for focus groups to learn more about what courses you can take and hang out with some like-minded people in those groups. But yeah, if you have any events that you would like to lead or want to come up with um, feel free to do so on your own otherwise reach out to me if you'd like some help in setting something up or if you have any suggestions of something that we can do as a whole group just let me know send me an email awesome and and keep it going through the summer i mean remember this this program is 24 months out of the year so don't think you should take a break this summer uh, if you want to see someone get together you know if you think thinking hey i haven't talked to so-and-so in a while call them up and say hey you know the phone works both ways you don't have to wait so be proactive that's what a good leader does all right so we'll move on thanks thanks aaron for that um so this one comes to us from our i'm gonna say i'm gonna go out and say it our number one listener uh, Peyton Malcolm. And Peyton says, I had a question that came to mind. I work at ANSYS Incorporated, where many of the co-op students are from other countries. And many of these co-ops already have their bachelor's degree, usually from their home country. And they come to the United States to get their master's degree and find a job in the US. My question, oh, you know what? We've already talked about this one. Yeah, we already answered that I, one. I, I was Peyton, trying to send you something in the chat there, Tony. Yeah, you know what? That's a good. You know, I gave a shout out to Peyton. We'll just leave it in there. Uh, but we hey, did actually two episodes. We covered that. This is we, true. We absolutely. So Cody and I did absolutely. it once, and then Emily came on and did it again. So, <clears throat> sorry, I stole that one from Jody. We're not answering it. So. <laughs> All right, moving on. This is well well planned. You can tell. <laughs> I was going right, to say there's one. so much organization being conveyed to our students with this. 
this is a really casual episode. This is like, you know, I, Cara, I didn't pitch this to anyone yet, except for, I think, your wife, Cody. Uh, but Ron wants us to do the seminar room podcast over the summer, and I think we should call it the seminar room. So that's my, that's <laughs> my pitch. It. Isn't right, it a bit so... early in the podcast for dad jokes? Yes. So who else wants to volunteer for running podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day. I vote Tony back. If if we <laughs> if we already fired him from doing podcasts, I hire him back. All right. Well, John said he wants to. <laughs> John wants to run it. All right, Cody, you're up. All right, we'll jump down to Kennedy St. John's question here. Do you have any advice for taking efficient meeting notes at work during in-person or virtual meetings? My current note-taking strategies are all adapted for lectures in classroom settings. I find it difficult to make, <clears throat> oh, to take sufficiently detailed notes when I'm supposed to contribute to the meeting and not just be an observer. I'll start with an answer here. It's Aaron. Hi. Um, I'm going to start off by saying it's, it's pretty difficult to take very detailed notes, especially while you're in a meeting or running around trying to observe or through a training. Um, I'll give a personal example of what I did during my co-op experience. I, first of all, I love taking notes on a computer and I'm a pretty fast typer, so I enjoy doing that. But when I was on co-op, when I was running around in the plant, I couldn't bring my computer with me. So I just had a little notepad and a pencil that I was carrying around. So what I did that worked the best for me, and I'm sure there's a couple other ideas out there too, but I would just write down as many main, <laughs> Tony shakes his head no. Uh, I just wrote down the main uh, ideas that I was gathering as I was going around and try to write down as many of those main ideas as I could. And then at the end of the day, I would take some time after work, or if I had a little bit of like 10 minutes of remaining time at the end of the day, I would go back and type those notes on the computer and then reflect on that experience and type as much detail into that document as I could. And then that actually helped me. So re relive the situation that was going on, whether it was a training or a process that I was learning or a project I had to start. And that would actually help me generate some questions too. So I would write down all my notes in detail. And then at the end of the document, I would include some questions that I had that maybe I was missing parts of information, couldn't remember that specific part, whatever. But I had a list of good questions at the end that I could bring to the supervisor or maybe yeah, whoever else and ask those questions to fill in the blanks. I want to agree with everything Aaron said. Anyone who has received feedback from me, particularly on presentations, knows I take extensive notes. Uh, particularly, I always do it on a computer. And I take them as I go. And some people have gotten, you know, full pages or even two of feedback on a design review. I love detailed notes. But when I'm trying to lead meetings, like when I was leading Society of Air and Space meetings, that just was not possible. Depending on the organization structure you're in, if you have a teammate that can take notes for you while you're taking the lead in discussion, that can be very, very helpful. But if that's just not an option, 
uh, shorthand notes, keywords, and coming back to it, just like Aaron said, absolutely the way to go, in my opinion. Yep, and to echo that too, um, that shorthand, that chicken scratch that you're jotting down while you're leading a meeting or that you're um, attending a meeting that needs a good takeaway from, um, something to bring it back to Aaron with that too. As you're transferring that back in later in the day, um, make sure it's later that day or at least reasonably soon because um, you can come back to notes that you're writing meeting minutes for and you'll be looking at what you wrote down and say what was all this about like um the the whole meaning of the meeting can be missed if you wait too long to write up meeting minutes um, and if you're the one in charge of reading or writing up meeting minutes and uh, a meeting can go to waste pretty quick that way the really cool thing about the zoom era though is if you have to write minutes you host the meeting and then you get that transcript and bam, you got the meeting notes. <laughs> Sweet, great answers. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything to add to that. We've covered that a couple of times in season one and two. Um, and it, it never it never hurts to repeat it because it's, it's something we all struggle with and you just need to keep trying different things and, and figure out a system that works for you. So it's just a matter of practice. All right. Um, we have an anonymous, another and anonymous um, question. It said, this student says, I'm really stuck in a hard place with my co-op. I've had no meaningful work for two weeks now, can't find anything to do, and I don't really feel valued or appreciated. I am really wanting to leave before it ends and find something else, but it doesn't feel right. What action should I take and what would you do in this situation? And I think Andrew has an answer for us. Well, hopefully I do. Um, so essentially, the you know my comment is simply good for you. Uh, good for you for getting into a position that tests you in this way. Uh, and and here's why. I think that some of the best area, one of the greatest opportunities for growth is when you end up in a position like this, where you have maybe you are not being tasked with work. Maybe you are. You know, co-op is a, a low-level position in any organization. Uh, you're not gonna going to be able to reshape the company typically from a co-op position, but this also gives you a chance to learn how to get buy-in from other people. Uh, I think in a co-op position like this, where you're not feeling valued or appreciated, offers you a great opportunity to learn how to get that value or appreciation with people that maybe aren't naturally uh, explicit about that. Um, so your situation could be very different. Some of what I mentioned, uh, you know, you have to be very creative on how to apply what I just said, how to, how to apply finding value or finding um, the right, finding some motivation to make it through. Uh, I recall years ago uh, being in the shop, for example, and, and uh, not knowing what I should do because I did all my work. And what I did was I started with asking my boss. Uh, there came to a point where he ran out of stuff. And so then I asked my fellow employees. Um, and it, it, uh, it resulted in a promotion. Uh, 
of doing all that work. So communication tends to be key, but I, I think you have opportunities and the more you wake up, literally wake up every day and, and tell yourself that those are opportunities, not obstacles. I th this is a challenge for you uh, to identify those things, but I think that's where you develop entrepreneurial mindset. I really do. I think huge opportunity. Awesome. Thank you, Andrew. Okay, so next, we'll go back to uh, Peyton Malcolm, who we, we cut short and didn't answer the last one because we've answered it twice. Uh, this one, it... Oh, hold on. I want to jump in on that because we gave Peyton a oh. shout out there. Yeah, okay. I want to shout out to my coworker, Andrew, who knew that we used that one on the podcast already. So thanks for listening. We've got internal fans too. Yeah. <laughs> Number one internal fan, Andrew Hanegman. All right, here we go. Jody, get ready. This one's coming to you. Many of the Bell Cohort One students are going to graduate soon. With that in mind, I wanted to ask, what is the process like for acquiring a full-time position? And how is it different from getting a co-op position? I think this could be a whole podcast in and of itself, I agree. But I think it is an important topic to talk about since many Bell students will be graduating soon. Okay, I really get to answer this time, right? <laughs> uh, yes, great question. And it can be a podcast all on its own. But just briefly, your process is going to be pretty much the same, at least in the beginning. Um, same cover letter, resume, process. <laughs> I can see the chat, Tony. <laughs> Mute me. Come on. Okay. <laughs> um, your process will be the same until maybe you get to a negotiations, a negotiation stage where if you get a job offer, um, there might be a little more to negotiate when it comes to benefits and things like that. Um, so that might be where the process differs. The other thing that maybe enters into it a little more than with a co-op or internship is that um, you can start thinking about what you want your career to be a little more. So um, when you look at a job posting, think about not just that job, but what that job is going to lead to if you stay with that company. Do you like that path? Um, do you, do you think you'll like the job that you'll be doing plus whatever job comes after that? Um, you, you can start thinking about those things. And um, our hope for you is that you're in a great place with the experience you've gotten so far and um, that you can um, have the leeway to start making some of those decisions and have them impact your career earlier rather than later. Thank you, Jody. And not always the case, um, certainly I see more times than not, your interview process will be a little bit more extensive than a co-op or internship interview. So you will have two, three, maybe even four interviews with different types of people for a full-time position than you would for a co-op or internship. Typically for the co-op internship, they have a pre-screening interview and then they have the interview with the department in which you'd be working in. Um, Oftentimes with these full-time 
positions, the salary paid positions. You may have multiple steps, multiple interviews, or you're just going to have a lot of people interviewing you. You might have eight, nine, 10 people in the room interviewing you. You never know what that might look like. It could look quite a bit different um, than a traditional internship or co-op interview. Sweet. And I just want to like, this is something the cohort threes have benefited from that maybe we we didn't think about early enough for cohort two or cohort one to say, but one of the exercises we're doing in career development right now is actually having them look at their ideal position and then make, basically make a, a list of the skills that you're trying to get acquire for that position and then doing that on your way, you know, finding co-op positions that can get those, add them to your toolbox. Everyone's uh yeah, mute me. It's a mutiny. <laughs> um, so you know, that's something that definitely I would suggest core two is for sure doing. Core ones, you should just be looking for those jobs right now. Um, don't don't put that off. You should be looking for your full-time position now if you're not already. So then follow Jody's advice. Uh, I can't you cannot take the host back from me, I don't think. Maybe you can. No, so. No, you're I'm, all it's all my it's my world now. You're all living. In it. Yes, I'm powerless. <laughs> you have the power. Should, should we all just mumble like really loudly every time Tony speaks? That's fine. No, 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 no. <laughs> I can hit mute everyone because no, no, I'm no. host power. No, so we do have one more. I, uh, unless, unless we want to circle back tony do you want to read us, read us this last question that we have on the list for marcus in row number 12 yeah for marcus okay is it marcus was marcus's question it is marcus's question so we actually did cover this and uh once but it was just cody and i talking about it so i am interested to hear what another facilitator has to say about it so marcus asked how can i as an intern recommend process improvements at work without stepping on the toes of engineers managers Etc. at a company. For example, I've noticed a number of processes that could be improved at work, but I do not feel like I can encourage change in those processes without creating bad blood between one of the engineers and myself. This engineer is overseeing the fair amount of work that I do and does not want this process change. However, I see a lot of room for efficiency improvement in this process. And it looks like Luke wants to, uh, wants to handle that. So, and anyone else can jump in after Luke. Yeah, I can, I can jump in. Uh, I, the reason I gravitated this question is it, it's a fantastic question. And, and something I always say is that no matter what the engineering project is, the most difficult aspect of any engineering project and the, and the most stress oftentimes is, is, is the social interaction, the, the dealing with teams, with uh, bosses, uh, underlings, all those things, uh, you have to have a, a mental model for working with different uh, strata of, of individuals. Uh, and this is a great one. And it, it reminded me of uh, a certain thing in argumentation called the Socratic method, uh, where you actually turn around and ask questions of, uh, of the, the individual you're discussing a topic with in order to get them to reflect on their position and on yours. And so a little tweak of that in this situation is, but it's, it's, uh, it's centered around asking questions and asking questions of, 
of the individual that's in charge of improving a process. You're a, you're a student, you're an intern, you're a co-op, they're used to answering questions from you. And if you can phrase a question in a way that makes them reflect on that process that you uh, see to improve and frame it in such a way where you're not challenging their authority, you're not coming down and acting like you know a better way to do it, you're just simply asking a question, hey, you know, uh, hey, wouldn't it be, uh, uh, how come you don't do it like this? How come you don't do it like that? Those kind of questions. And it, it, uh, it uh, approaches the, 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 the situation without stepping on any toes. I'd like to add something and everything Luke said was extremely, was extremely important. But I want to go on a minor tangent that I think has some value. So I have often heard it said you shouldn't point out a problem without having a recommendation to change it. The basic idea is sound, but I reject that, that premise for my own reasons. The reasons being sometimes you just need more minds working on a problem. I don't think it's unprofessional to point out a problem that needs to be addressed, especially if you can't come up with a solution. Maybe you just need more people involved. Now, there's a difference between pointing out a problem and recommending a change to improve something that already works possibly well enough. We're talking more about the latter here. So if you have something that is working well enough, at least that's the perception, you really should have a recommendation for how to improve it if you want people to take it seriously. You should have it written down. You should have your logical argument prepared. And there's the distinction. And, you know, maybe someone will entirely reject your ideas and maybe you have to wait to build more social capital or acquire more responsibility, a higher position at the organization. But if you want to change something that works well enough, at least, if it's perceived that way, you really should have a plan in place. Thanks, John. John, I think I remember you saying last week that you had a question for everyone that you wanted to ask. So as now is your as chance. a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> awesome. So I've been sitting on this for a year and a half, maybe more. Whenever you deal with rules formal or informal long enough, you will encounter paradoxes. And everyone will certainly do that in their career at one point or another. I found them pretty good at it. So during a jobs package live interview some time ago, I told what I thought was an excellent star story. Uh, back when we called them star stories. And it was about an experience I had while I was working in retail. And a manager broke our, my direct manager broke our guidelines, our values. They were extremely rude to a customer without justification. And I was very, very upset about this. I'm, I'm a stickler for the rules and the values. So I told the story of how my supervisor made a really bad call. And I explained how I approached them about it. And we talked about it and found an understanding and addressed the issue. On the panel for my live interview was an industry guest. And he said, 
you should never speak ill about a former employer or boss in an interview because it'll turn the boss off. Now, I understand this. When I was working retail at the same job, I had a rule. I never spoke ill about a customer in public because if any other customers heard that, they'd think I'm judging them and I'm going to be a jerk about them as well. But there are some very valuable experiences that you can draw on to learn from, to grow from, and to talk about potentially when someone's trying to hire you. Those are very difficult situations that if you find a way to deal with um, a dispute with your employer or supervisor, that's a good story if you found a good way to deal with the situation. And I haven't been able to resolve this. So since we have a lot of minds here, I'm curious, how would you address talking about in an interview a difficult experience that you were able to overcome with a supervisor without turning a new potential employer off? Or would you just not touch the subject at all? We all we all very quiet <laughs> for a second while we think. Go ahead, Cody. That's smart. I'll I'll kick things off, and then whoever's next, go ahead and put it in the chat so we get some some uh, organization going in this in this place. Um. Yeah. So a couple of things. One is good point made by the person that was on your on your interview panel. I do think that there's a special type of personality that would use that and say, well, I don't wanna be challenged by someone new. Um, and that's a part of the culture too. There are, if, if I was on the interview and you told interview panel and you told me a story like that, I'd be like, sweet. I need, I need people to challenge me when I, when I do wrong. I wanna make sure that um, this person's willing to, to, to speak up when they know that the values and the mission stand above what I'm doing as, as your supervisor. So there, there is that aspect to it. But the other piece is that why I say is a, a good comment that was made is because that they could, they could have that personality that they could look at you and, and say, well, I really don't really don't want someone coming to me and distracted their work being distracted by this. Um, the, the one thing that you could do to get around this is to tell this story without naming your supervisor, without even saying that it was a supervisor, just keep it as, uh, as vague as you can and name it as someone you were working with. And it doesn't have to be someone of authority or um, someone that was supervising you in your story. It can simply just be someone you were working with. So that's my roundabout answer to the, uh, the question. It's a great, great question, John. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's one that you have to go, you have to come right at it and answer the question. Because if you dance around it, um, you know, the, the purpose of that question is to see how you handle that. You know what I mean? Like, and how you handle conflict with your, with employers and, and if you're willing to question them. So I guess, you know, we'll go back when you're getting ready to go into an interview, you kind of have to have maybe your answer behind the answer instead of the question behind the question. and if they don't want me because I answered my question this way, do I really want to work there? So, you know, like you said, you know, if the person doesn't want to be questioned, I don't want to work for someone that doesn't want to be questioned. You know, I don't want to work for someone where it's just like, you just shut up and do your job. You know, um, I was told that before and it's not fun, you know, and then you definitely, once you lose the, 
the ability to feel like you're making any kind of difference there than your motivation to do any anything good good or above and beyond kind of falls by the wayside as well so um you know like cody said you could be indirect and in the in removing enough detail so they don't know who you're talking about or couldn't figure out who it was based off off your resume you know that's a similar exercise we have to do when we're if we talk about students, you know, we have to take enough information out so you would never be able to figure out who it is. You know what I mean? So it's the same kind of practice that way. But I would I would go back and say, you know, this is a question that everyone might get asked. So think of it now and think of a way you can answer it where if you're okay leaving it on the table if they don't like you because of that answer. If you lost the interview or you lost the position because of that answer, I am fine with that because I am confident in what I did. You know what I mean? And you can always talk about it as a learning experience. So I'll turn it over to Andrew. I just wanted to add a little piece that this is the type of question that we give advice on. And sometimes we get students that come back and say, well, you, you said we, you know, doing this would work. Well, it might for a very specific type of personality interacting with a very specific type of personality uh, or, or some other nuance that is, is something that I, I do not personally have the words to explain. And what I wanna just add is the small little tidbit of, there are certain ways to say things that match your personality and also match the background and how the people in front of you interpret things. Um, without knowing who you're talking to, it tends to be go very professional, very formal in how you phrase things. There are certain people that will get away with more casual speak and actually get huge benefits from it. The person next to them could say the exact same sentence and not get the exact same reaction. Um, don't have awesome, like perfect words to fully explain that. I just want to note that this is one of those questions. This is one of those scenarios that there is that certain people have it, certain people don't have it in certain situations. I know that's vague, not specific. I just want to note that this is where you apply your own. You have to be the judge of whether or not you're able to, to, to hit that nail on the head or not. Uh, because it is, there are tiny, tiny nuances with how you say these things that make or break it. And Jody was going to add something quick, and then I think we're going to start wrapping. Well, I agree with everything everyone said. I think that um, everyone who interviews you is, is an individual and is going to be looking for something a little bit different. And so I think one of the most important things in a job interview is to be yourself and be genuine. And you mentioned that the values mean something to you and that's wonderful. And so if you can put the focus on that um, instead of on any negativity, um, I think that's great. Thank awesome. you all. I appreciate your, uh, your perspective on that. You're welcome. All right, last question. We're gonna ask this question. Neil's gonna get us started. And then uh, Neil's gonna start with five. Yes, that sounds good. And then everybody can add one. And why don't, uh, Tony, you can put an order in the chat. So we're, we're gonna go in order after uh, Neil's up here. So 
This one comes in from Marcus, who asked the question, which I think it's a great way to end this final uh, pod for the semester as people are entering into a, a new company or starting with your first paid co-op internship. Share the top five to 10 practices when starting an internship with a new company. So thank you for that, Marcus. That's a good prompt. Neil's gonna kick things off. Top five to 10 practices when starting an internship with a new company. Yeah, thank you for the question. And um, so this kind of goes off of a different, a couple different experiences that I've had too. So first practice that I would say is to definitely introduce yourself um, to those you come around. I've had internships that I've come into where my supervisor took me around, gave me a tour and introduced me to everybody. But I've also had the internship where it's, here's your cube, here's what you should do. And that's that. So if you get the opportunity um, to go around and introduce yourself, say, hey, um, my name's Neil Schrader. I'm the new intern here. Um, just wanted to say hi, and here's where I am. Um, that's one thing to do. Also, do what you can to learn names um, of the folks around you, the folks you're working with and meeting with. Um, and that leads into my third component, and that's writing your interactions down. As you introduce yourself and um, go around and get these people's names that you're uh, meeting with, write down the little interaction to help you kind of more so concrete their name into your memory and into that interaction. Uh, the fourth thing as you're making these introductions in, in your new internship is identify the subject matter experts and um, the mentors that you may need to kind of lean on as you complete the work you do or uh, move through the task list that you have. Um, and then lastly, for what I have, is uh, ask about activities to do in the area, especially if this is an internship that you've moved in um, to the area with. Ask about what there is to do for fun. Where's the uh, mini golf course at? Where's a good place to go fishing? What have you? I mean, where's a good place for food? Um, just something basic like that, really. Awesome. Thank you, Neil, for getting us started on this. I'm going to take uh, my, my one uh, thing to add here is show up. 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes early and stay 10, 15 minutes late. And don't, uh, and don't count on your time card if you're taking time. You know, if you're gonna work an eight hour day, come in 10, 15 minutes early, stay 10, 15 minutes late, plan for the day um, tomorrow as that extra 10, 15 minutes that you're staying late. So when you arrive the next morning, you can pick up that list and get rolling. My, uh, my one I think would be, I mean, there, there's so many things, but uh, asking questions, being willing to ask questions. Uh, 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 people love that when you're, when you're open and, and honest about asking questions. But number one is finding the things that add value to the company. And that means sometimes finding things that nobody else wants to do and jumping right in there and just start doing it. And, and, and it doesn't matter whether it's the, the, perceived as the lowest task on the totem pole, it's uh, uh, do that task and be willing to, to work hard. John? So mine actually, uh, Luke's leads into it very, very well. The single best piece of advice I ever got on, well, working in general came from an aerospace panel 
at a Space Vision conference. And one of the company representatives said, look for small opportunities to make a big impact. Particularly if you are trying to maintain life-work balance, you can't put your highest amount of effort into every single thing. Some things just need the minimum viable product. But if you find something, in my opinion, those are often the things that no one else is doing, as Luke mentioned. If you find something that a little bit of extra effort can have a huge impact in the company, that will build a name for yourself. It will add value to the company and it will, it will improve your interactions with others because for a little bit of extra effort, you're building a lot of extra credibility. Let's see, another good one. Um, when you're working on a project or designing a solution, make sure that you talk to the end users, you talk with the people that are involved with that project or your solution. Often they might have some of the best ideas because they've been working in that area for maybe 10 years or five years. So make sure that you're talking to them as well. So I think a good thing to do in this situation is to frame your co-op in your mind as an excellent opportunity to gain professional confidence. So you're never going to have more support than you have right now. Um, and so if there's something that you wanna learn that scares you, uh, don't be afraid to work on it because you're gonna have help. Everyone knows that you're new to the profession or you know, new to the industry. And, and so embrace that and, and use it as a real learning opportunity. All right. Uh, well, great takeaways here. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with this one. And that is, it, it's something very important. And that is to identify what the policies and procedures and safety rules are at the place you are working. This can, you know, it can be detrimental health-wise to you or other people. It can be uh, the type of offense that is a big deal for a co-op. Everyone knows you're learning, uh, like uh, others have previously said, but um, it's, uh, it's big uh, to know the rules, know the constraints, just like problem definition and design, identify what the, you know, what the lane is. All right, Tony, do you still have one? Yeah, I do. Um, take notes, have a little note, notebook, go buy a pack. You can buy like a big stack of those little flippy notebooks, like the guy from Blue's Clues had. Keep it in your back pocket, keep a pen in your hip, hip pocket, and always have something to write on. Don't use your phone because you will see people who think you're playing games on your phone or answering text message. No one is offended when you're taking notes in a notebook. People, people will make assumptions if you're taking notes on your phone. I know it's efficient and I know you like doing it. Transfer them to your phone later when, when it's your time. Uh, but face-to-face, -face, it's, it's more, more helpful to have those notes. And then put everything that we just said, all those things that we just said in that list, which I'm not going to go again, rewind it. Let's do it again. Put it down in your notes. Um, write that in your notebook. <laughs> all the little things, interactions, names, maps of where people's cubicle is. So you know where people are, who's the subject matter experts, 
all those things, put them in your notes, what you're going to do tomorrow, put it in your notes, you know, notebooks are cheap and, uh, your memory is not forever. Um, and someone could pick up your notebook and kind of figure out what you're doing. So uh, I have another, if you got jury duty. Yes. Jury duty. Thank you, John. <laughs> um, we have, we have a couple more that came in the chat. I just wanted to read some of those. Ask for feedback is one of them. Uh, another is ask your supervisor for all often they want to check in with you or vice versa. Be positive, pay attention to group dynamics, volunteer. Well, this is awesome. This is a really cool episode. Um, you're not going to get this uh, every episode. You're going to get this hopefully once, once per semester. I think this is a really good idea to try to knock out as many mailbag questions as we can at the end of a semester and get the whole group here. We got a lot of feedback in the, in this spreadsheet that said, Hey, we want to hear from more people. So here we go. Here you are with all of our facilitators, our lovely facilitators here to answer some of your questions. So thank you all for joining us. We'll put a wrap on it, Tony. Sounds good. Have a great summer and look for episodes of the summer in our ex <laughs> seminar room uh, coming at you soon. <laughs> Bye now. Bye-bye.